HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd. Today we're doing something a little different. I'm interviewing the creator and author of the website Cheese Science Toolkit, Pat Pulowski. Hello, Pat. Hi, Diane. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. How are you today? Very good. How are you doing? Good, good. So um, for my book review, uh, Segments. I have done one ebook, Jimmy Carbone's I Like Pig, um, but I don't think I've done a website author yet, so you're the first. Welcome. Woohoo! I feel honored. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I have many questions about this. Um, when did you decide to start this site? I've been going back and forth for about a year and a half now, but actually funny. I was really bored in the airport last fall. Uh-huh. And so I, I took out my computer and just started started putting it together. And from there, probably late December is when I really launched it earlier this year. Okay. So uh, we're talking fall 2015 was when you were bored in the airport? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, what is your, can you tell our listeners, what is your cheese background, first of all? Sure. Well, I've been working for the Center for Dairy Research here in Madison, Wisconsin, for almost a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And I work a lot with cheese there, mostly on the sensory side of things. But mm-hmm. We do a lot of teaching, too, and this is sort of an extension from that. It's separate from there, but whenever I do something, my whole life revolves around it. So even in my free time, it's cheese now, too. Okay. So you are very cheese-based. That's right. Yep. I, I love cheese. On the weekends here in Madison, I... I work as a cheesemonger, too, in a local cheese shop. Okay, which one? It's called Formage Nation. It's a really nice 
cut-to-order cheese shop, the only one like it in Madison. I've been there because our, our American Cheese Society meeting was in Madison just a few years ago, and it's right nearby the square, or is it on the square? It is on the square, yeah. It's very nice. Now, also, I want to know, do you have a writing background? Uh, not really. Nothing formal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've made websites a lot, and I do a lot of outreach and education and sciences just mm-hmm. through local schools and volunteering. But no no formal training in writing or anything like that. Okay. Probably why, that's probably why if anyone digs deep enough, they find a lot of typos. <laughs> and what about... Um have you studied website development? Is that in your background also? Uh, that's just been a hobby I've had for years now. I've, I've made a bunch of different little websites throughout the years. And okay. It's really nice if I can take that hobby and actually apply it to something I'm passionate about. Yeah. It's a good venue for that. Great, great. So did you go to um, University of Wisconsin at Madison? I didn't. I'm actually I'm a trader. <gasps> You're a went, trader. Where went, did you go? I went to school at Purdue in Indiana for food oh. science. <laughs> for food science. So your your That's degree right. is in food science? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We didn't now, actually study much dairy there. Indiana's not a big dairy state. Oh, but. okay. Did you um, move to Madison after college, or were you from Madison? No, yeah, I, I moved to Madison after I got out of school. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're a trader? That's right, yeah. Yep, I'm, a, I'm a badger now. Okay. How, now, how long from getting the idea to make a website from actually starting to now? Uh, probably six months or so. Well, okay. no. Oh, the time is really flying by. Probably almost a year, year okay. and a couple months now. Okay. Do you have any funding? No, no, everything's in my free time. And oh, wow. I, just, I pay for the space, for the web, for the name and the hosting, right. just out of my pocket. But I host other websites, too, so this wasn't too much more okay. of an expense. Now, it's cheesescience.org. That's how Correct. you find it, not toolkit. The word toolkit is not in the formal name. No, I, I decided against that because... I thought that might be too much to type. Okay. Now, how do you get an org? I don't. I don't. I mean, I. I don't. I never tried to get an, a dot org. What do you have to prove to get an org? Anything? Um. Of a, as of I think two thousand six or two thousand seven, nothing. You just have to pay for it. Oh, okay. So you pay for I, the name. I pay for cheesescience.org. Okay. Cheesescience.com was taken, unfortunately. Oh, okay. I would have preferred. Oh, okay, okay. Um, now, how many uh, hours a week do you put into the website? It varies week by week, but mm-hmm. as of late, I've sort of been petering off a little bit, mm-hmm. um, taking some projects I did last year and just porting them over to the website. But on average, I'd say at least 10 hours a week of actually mm-hmm. on the website working on things, another oh, yeah. couple hours here or there on mm-hmm. social media trying to up my view count, those kinds of things. Right, right. And so you have uh, other jobs. I'm sorry? You have other jobs. You ha- Do you have a full-time job or you, you know, bounce around? Yeah, no, I, I work full-time for the Wisconsin Center for Dairy Research as, in a, as a cheese scientist of sorts, I suppose. Okay. Has... Um, has your vision for the site changed or developed 
as you've been going along? It has, actually. So originally, the goal of my site was my primary audience is cheesemongers. I've okay. been working as a cheesemonger for a couple months, and mm-hmm. with my full-time job at the university, we offer courses towards cheesemongers. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of interaction with them, and I thought that was all it's going to be about, is just teaching the cheesemonger. But as more and more people find out about it, mm-hmm. other areas of cheese people that are besides cheesemongers that find it very useful. Uh-huh. And so I try to broaden the audience to encompass some of those folks, too. Okay. And do you respond, um, is there a lot of discussion? I, I noticed that you can um, respond to different chapters, and some have conversations and some don't. Do you have a lot of responses from readers asking for things or discussing topics? Yeah, maybe not so much. I do have comments on all the pages here mm-hmm. or there, people comment. But mm-hmm. I do get a lot of emails from people requesting topics or asking to clarify some topics or making, you know, a different post about a similar topic, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. That's I'm, nice. Right now I'm just adding those to a list. I'll get to them one day. Right, right. Now, so far you have 32 topics, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and you have – and then you are are – You've got a list of the ones that might come next. I do, and that, to be honest, that list isn't really up to date right now. <laughs> That's not what you're working on? Yeah, I'm working. It's actually funny. It sort of mirrors sometimes the work I'm doing for my job. I sort of, well, I'm already, I'm already working on that, and I might as well write up a quick post and post it on here. Oh, excellent idea. Yeah, you might as well just summarize uh, what you're working on or what research you're doing so that you add more easily to the site. No, definitely. It yeah. feels less, feels like less of the time sink that way, too. Yeah, yeah. Now, when will it ever be complete? Ever? I've been asking myself that a lot lately. Cause <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to reach a point where I definitely don't have everything covered on the site, but I have a list going where I'm saying it. It's almost every single topic I can think of or people have asked me about okay. regarding science. Okay, good. What happens What happens when I reach the end of that? I don't know. Right, right. What were the first three topics that you started on? Do you remember? Yeah, so I, I actually keep a chronological list just to, for my own sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I post about milk chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I figured it would be nice to start off a cheese science study talking about the, what cheese is made of milk. Mm-hmm. Right. And then two others that I had gotten a lot of questions about in my various cheese-related responsibilities here in Madison about the crystals in cheese, the crunch that you get with some cheeses. Right. And then cheese color. Why is cheese yellow or why mm-hmm. is cheese orange or why mm-hmm. is cheese really white sometimes? So those are the big three. Okay. No color and crystals, yeah. I would say color and crystals are probably more, um, a little less scientific. I mean, even though the answer might be scientific, but they're more cheese-eater Eaters want to know those answers. No, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I got some feedback for my first few posts, and mm-hmm. I, I, the goal for the site was science for non-scientists, and it, I, I'm still working on figuring out what the proper balance of that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some of your topics um, are harder than others, and some are written more, you know, at a higher level than others. I'd say. No, definitely. That's, yeah. that's, so maybe if I had a real background in science writing, I could do a better job. But right now, it's, 
I think you've done sort a great of. job. I think, you oh, know, you're you. you're trying and and what I liked is that it's not too much. You know, they're they're short answers, some shorter than others. You have those brief bites and then the longer discussions. Um, and you cover, just for the listeners who have not looked, you cover a lot of different uh, topics like cheese types, which might be more traditional topic. And then you've also got a topic called sheepy and sulfur and fatty acids. So those are, you know, you've got quite a good array of things to look up on your site. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I really try to make it maybe for my own sanity more than anyone else's. I try to vary the areas I write about mm-hmm, that make mm-hmm. them interesting. Mm-hmm. So when you first started, you planned that cheesemongers would be your audience. And then um, when people write in, uh, can you tell what level they're at? Are they just cheese eaters? Are they cheesemongers? Are they distributors? Yeah, so I get a lot of distributors, a lot of cheesemongers, mm-hmm. my main audience. Mm-hmm. but. Not so many regular consumers yet, and I don't okay. think the site, for someone who is really passionate about cheese, the site would probably be a little too much for them. Maybe I'll make a corollary one day. Right. But uh, a lot of cheese marketing people, too. So a lot of cheese companies have been getting a lot of, and some cheese makers, too. I never thought that cheese makers would find the stuff useful, but I guess because of the some topics that are really specific to the things they work on, they can find mm-hmm. those posts interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what about, um, do you know about the uh, Certified Cheese Professional exam? I do, yeah. And actually, I, I, I've heard from a few of the certified trainers who teach, who help, I, who help teach today, and help prepare some of the candidates for the exam. And they use it as a, a reference for themselves in some cases. Yeah. To help reinforce what they teach. Yeah, so that was very nice to hear. Yeah, because there's a lot of science on the test, I believe. And it's a nice way to quickly look things up. I oh, think, yeah, thanks. thanks yeah, for saying that. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be really useful for, uh, you know, or last-minute panic for people taking the test. <laughs> no, definitely. And, again, a lot of uh, self-interest here, but I, I plan on taking the test in a couple months here, so this oh. is also a great study tool for me. Oh, you're going to go to Des Moines and take the test? Yeah, that's the I'm signed up. So. Oh, cool. Now, you know, the site, um, in in ACS, there's a there's the uh, judging competition for cheese. Do you know about that? Yep. So we have in that uh, competition technical judges, which to me are like mostly the science guys or girls from Wisconsin. And then we have aesthetic judges who are more cheesemongers, tasters, you know, that kind of person. Um, And I feel like this, your site is written for technical, written by technical judges for aesthetic people. No, I, I, that's that's a really good observation. I, I like how you phrase that. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely agree that that's the that's the goal. It's just sort of taking some some knowledge and interpreting it in a different way from a different perspective. Yeah. 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 Now, and so you say mostly these are the topics are your own ideas. You haven't too much branched out into requests. 
I've started to every now and then for a quest to sort of a low-hanging fruit. I try to okay. knock those out. Okay. Uh, the flavors have been a lot of requests. It's how my little cheese bite, just a paragraph or two about each flavor. Okay. So my, with my line of work, I do sensory, so flavors is what I do all day, every day. So if I have a free couple hours, I just knock it out real quick. Okay. And most okay. people seem to be really well receptive to those. Mm-hmm. Now, flavor is a particular area of cheese science, right? I'd say so, at least, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm, yeah. Maybe I'm biased because that's what I do. <laughs> and and is it, um, have they totally figured out taste and flavor? Oh, definitely not. It's still. Yeah. Still every day more, finding out more things. Yeah. We, we like to think, you know, most scientists, and myself included, we like to say, Oh, this flavor is caused by this chemical compound, right, right. and that's the end of the story. But that's that's not <laughs> that couldn't be further from the truth. You, we could we could take that compound, put it in water, and smell it, and it smells nothing like a cheese would smell. So, <laughs> uh-huh. really complicated menagerie of things going on. In right, cheese. and also from the person tasting, you can have ten people taste one cheese be all over the place, liking it, not liking it, describing it. Then you have people with different taste buds. It, you know, it, it's pretty up in the air when you get to people's senses. No, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we oftentimes have blinders on. We think of everything from the cheese's perspective. But when you bring in human anatomy and physiology, it makes it mm-hmm. next times more complicated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I notice sometimes in some of the... Uh, write-ups, you almost have disclaimers of this isn't the whole story or this, you know, were you nervous that you'd be held responsible? I guess I don't think so. I'm not like I'm I'm under a shotgun or anything right now, but <laughs> the nature of these posts where I'm having to sort of present things in a simple light, not yeah. going full mm-hmm. into depth. Some of these posts, if I went into depth, would be pages and pages to be scrolling all day to read it. Right. So right. erring on the side of simplicity, sometimes you get sometimes you get incorrectness by leaving things out every now and then. So I always like to disclaim at a surface level this is what's going on, but mm-hmm. it's just like what happens in school, right? Your first year of school you teach something and five years later you get taught something and said, Well what they taught you earlier was right, but not the whole story. Right. It's much more complicated. Yeah, and that's it's okay. also harder to write about, so it's a win-win for me. Right, right. Now, I also notice you have a variety of excellent references at the end of every topic. Um, how do you select them, and do you need people's permission? Yes and no. I mean, everything I link is you can just find from a Google search. Okay. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of things. And most of them are just published books or articles, those kinds of things. So. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need permission, at least I hope not. Well, right, after the current right. incident, I might be shut down next <laughs> no, week. No, I don't think so. Now, just to give uh, the listener an example, um, one thing, uh, you use Dairy Pipeline, an article in the Dairy Pipeline. Um, it was written by a frequent technical judge, Mark Johnson, from Wisconsin, um, on a topic. So... You know, the person who's interested in finding out more can go to the link and and read a whole complicated article. Yeah, so my idea with those were, that's the next step. So my oh. posts are 
simplifying what those articles would talk about here or there. And, right. You know, I know Mark really well. I work with him, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And mm-hmm. I know for some of these areas, he is he is the expert right. to talk to. So. Mm-hmm. You do yourself a disservice by not reading what he's written on the subject. Right. And when I went to one of them, you find the whole journal, and then it's got a bunch of interesting articles by a a bunch of the well-known technical judges, um, you know, from being in the American Cheese Society. You know them. Yeah. So, you know, it's... uh, it's it's good uh, good press I guess for my place of employment too by linking to their things. Yeah, getting them out there more. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'm talking to Pat Polowski, creator of Science uh, Cheese Science Toolkit, which is at cheesescience.org, and we'll be back after a very short break. Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth generation cheesemakers, combining old world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, anytime, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Hi, I'm back with Pat Pulowski at Cheese Science Toolkit. How are you doing, Pat? Good, good. Did you hear the advertisement? It was all about eating Wisconsin cheese. That's right. (laughs) So we're talking to Wisconsin and we're advertising Wisconsin, which is great. And they could just go to your store and buy some on the weekend. That's right. Yes, and they can stop by Babcock Hall and watch it being made. It's right, right, right. So, okay. So, are there any competitors uh, site-wise? Are there other cheese sites I don't know about? Sorry, I'm shooting myself in the foot by talking. Now I'm joking. Um, <laughs> well, it's not just advertising. Part that- of the reason I, I started the site because I couldn't find one. Okay. With information like this, that's. The reason I started the site mainly was there, I found a gap, and I wanted to fill that gap. Mm-hmm. I mean, the closest you could probably find is from the Culture magazine. They have right. occasional posts. Mm-hmm. And then you can always find textbooks about cheese and 
journal articles about cheese, but none of those are really broad enough to be interesting to a wide group of people. Yeah, and they're they're very dryly written, and yeah, I think only people studying are going to read those. Right, and, and visual. I, I've I've yet to find any place online, books included, that I wanted every post to have at least one visual to go with it. Okay. And in many cases, many more mm-hmm. pictures and interactive things like that. Mm-hmm. I do like your, um, oh, what's, it's a picture of Rennet, the chymosin? Oh, yeah. Is that how you say it, chymosin? Chymosin, that's right. Yeah. It's, uh, apparently it doesn't work on all all um, computers, but on mine it's like this rotating, colorful molecule thing that looks very cool. Yeah, and see that one, that's that's dead simple to do. So there there are databases with all these various enzymes and proteins uh-huh. and things. And uh-huh. It was just a matter of finding a viewer online. Right. That, the one I use, three D Mole. That, that that's made a that's an open source one, three D mm-hmm. use for educational purposes. And mm-hmm. you just sort of import the file you want to show and then mm-hmm. dress it up and what was that? And I think. I mean, you can't really glean any new information off of it, but I just like looking at it. It's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, it's got nice colors, and it's pretty. And and it might help you imagine what's going on if you're, you know, scientifically stunted, which I consider myself. <laughs> um, did you have, um, do you have any cheese experts helping you write? Not directly, no. Okay. I mean, I work. I work with them, and I've learned a lot from them mm-hmm. every day. So. Yeah. Who were your favorite cheese teachers or mentors? Exactly. Yeah, I have a lot of cheese mentors in my life in various forms, and you know, Who? their information gets filtered through me and through mm-hmm. questions people ask and requests, and they come out on here. Mm-hmm. Who? Any any ones in particular you feel like you've learned a lot from? Uh, everyone at the Center for Data Research I work with, I've learned so much from those folks. Mm-hmm. Or going there, I didn't have, I mean, I had some cheese and dairy experience from what I learned at school and from mm-hmm. working some places, but uh, everyone there I've learned so much from. So I'm really thankful for the Center for just teaching me and allowing me to mm-hmm. really find a, a cool area of food that I, I never would have gotten this deep into if it wasn't for them. Mm. Now, Purdue didn't study much uh, cheese? Not much, no. Okay. We're, we like to say we're a carbohydrate campus there. We do a lot with starches. And- oh, okay. <laughs> a carbohydrate campus. That's funny. Um, and um, how do you see the two sides, technical and aesthetic or science and taste, learning from each other and influencing each other? I think you can't have one without the other, without having a big gap in your picture. You need both. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, so, you know, from the, from the technical side, I mean, the aesthetic side is what matters at the end of the day. We can, we can know exactly how cheese is made, all the chemistry in it, but it doesn't taste good. Right. All that work was for nothing, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And the other side, if, if the cheese doesn't taste good, how do you fix it? And that's right. where the technical side comes in. Right, right. It does seem that as uh, time is going on, the two sides are wanting to learn more from each other or, you know, more receptive. No, definitely. I think that's that's part of the beauty of how ACS does judging is you have, you have a first, you have two people side by side looking at different viewpoints and mm-hmm. learning a lot from each other and the trees. Right, cheese. right. Um, 
Now, I think at one point you, I think, used the phrase in the site that you want to be a springboard for more study. Um, do you recommend particular books uh, to students to, who want to learn more science? Yeah, and it depends on their level and if they don't want to. Um, you know, we have a luxury here being part of university. We get a lot of those books and articles for free because we right. have subscriptions. But mm-hmm. uh, the Dairy Pipeline, that through my employer, I know it now sounds like I'm just a shill, but it, it really uh-huh. is a great really is a great resource dating back, you know, a couple decades coming uh-huh. out every quarter. Uh-huh. And there's just a wealth of information there. It's presented it's for cheesemakers. So the level of knowledge might be a little above consumers, but, you know, through reading it a couple times, you can glean a lot of information from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um, talking more specifically about things that you bring up on the site, one thing you introduce is uh, that many books and many systems – often use firmness as the way to divide up cheese types, and you recommend uh, how the cheeses are made to differentiate cheese types. Can you describe your chart of cheese types a bit and the thinking that went behind it? Sure. So, I mean, the arrangement actually isn't mine. I cited it. It comes from a a textbook called Dairy-Based Ingredients, and Okay. And it's been recreated in many different forms. I know a Dr. Donnelly's book that came out last year, year before, Cheese and Microbes, there's a whole chapter about cheese organization, and there's something similar to that okay. from what I've produced. So, And the idea here is just think about how a cheesemaker would think about cheese. A cheesemaker would never consider a soft goat cheese being similar to a ricotta. Right. You know, they're, they're made in different ways. They require different equipment, right. different processing steps from him. So he would never put those two in the same category. He always differentiated by how they were made. Right. And Even I though they might be a similar softness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And just I like to think of his processing steps and the ingredients they'd have to buy or the equipment they'd have to buy and how mm-hmm. they make the cheese. Which I think by looking at it from that way, it, it forces you to learn more about the process overall, which I think is also helpful. Right. Right. But looking at your chart, my only argument is um, one of the categories, bacteria ripened internally, is a really big category and has a lot of different tasting cheeses. No, definitely. I mean, no, no chart is going to be perfect. I know I've got a lot of flack for, for this chart, but that's out there. That's the funny thing. Yeah, I mean, because it's just, I mean, the way, or the way the consumer wants to view cheese is more taste. They don't care how it's made, but, you know, usually. Exactly, and taste mm-hmm. is a big one. And mm-hmm. that's also another reason I disagree with the firmness method of sorting cheeses, because at the end of the day, does the consumer know the difference between semi-soft and soft and semi-firm right. and firm? Right. No, but they can probably sell flavor, but yeah. that chart would be really big. It wouldn't fit on a screen so well. <laughs> okay. Now, another funny part is the cheese grading terms that I ran into. It's such a long list. Right, yeah. And those, again, those are straight from our state Department of Agriculture. Right. Number Protection Code, Chapter Chapter 81. Now, but I have a couple questions. Your list doesn't always, doesn't clarify if the words are good or bad. Can they be right. good or bad or either, some of those words? 
definitely. I mean, some of these are always going to be defects, but right. in other cases, right. they're they're acceptable or wanted in some cheeses, right. never wanted right. in others. And, Right. Maybe it's wanted when it's a young and not when the cheese is old and vice right. versa. Right. Now, I, just, like to think of a, I like to think of crystals that way, the crystals you see on aged cheddar. Yeah. I mean, for consumers going to a big box store and buying mild cheddar to grate and put on top of baked potatoes, they never want to see crystals. Right. But to the consumer going to a specialty store and buying a 10-year-old artisan cheddar, it's an expectation. Right, right. Some of the words that... Um, just to tell the listeners, like mealy and model, those sound bad, right? Really, yeah. I mean, so talking about mealy, mealy just describes, you know, it sort of breaks up into bits when you rub yeah. it or when you yeah. chew on it. And some mm-hmm. cheeses are going to be mealy, no way around that. Okay. Or grainy. Right. Like Parmigiano-Reggiano right. is going to be grainy. It's going right. to feel like you're right. chewing sand after a while. And that's, right. But it's a that's, mistake. That's what you want from that cheese. Right, but it's a mistake in other cheeses. Exactly right. right. I don't think anyone would ever want a um, medium cheddar that tastes great, that uh, feels gritty in right. the mouth. Right. And then there was crumbly and curdy. Those don't have to be insults. No, exactly right. right. Yeah, those right. each each have their place. Yeah. Now, what was? Did I see frog mouth? Well, frog mouth. What is frog mouth? That describes uh, a type of opening in cheese. Ah. So. Uh, so eyes, the holes in Swiss cheese eyes, if they have cracks on either end, yeah, uh, and a big hole in the middle, is, you know, it's supposed to resemble a frog's mouth. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and is that bad? I uh, usually, yeah. Usually okay. Splits or cracks in a in a cheese or is unwanted. It means the cheese mm-hmm. wasn't flexible enough to to move around the gas that was being produced there. So okay. it's and crack instead of forming eyes. Okay. And what's the word struble? Which word? Struble. Did you spell it? I'm not even sure I know that word. S-T-R-E-U-B-L-E. Oh, struble. I'm sorry, struble. Yep. <laughs> Again, this is sort of a... So here it's the idea, when you look at a Swiss cheese, you want... Good eye development, good size, but also good distribution. You want them to be across the whole interior of the cheese, and maybe not, you know, one inch around the serve, one inch border on the cheese is free of eyes. It makes it easier to cut and slice those kinds of things. But mm-hmm. uh, struble is, you know, you, you cut a piece of cheese in half, and just near the surface, there's a bunch of little eyes all clumped there together. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, now, where are you at? Your your topic of pasteurization is very factual. Where are you at on the topic of raw milk cheese? Oh, great. Now we're getting to the, the uh, <laughs> controversial thing. <laughs> the politics. I was very deliberate when I wrote that post to not even... You you were very good. You were, you were very dry and factual and scientific. Right, I even avoided discussions of flavor because I didn't even want to. <laughs> I didn't want to start a fight. No. Well, and that's appropriate for your site. You don't want to start fights. <laughs> but do you have an opinion that's different, or do you love to eat raw milk cheese? I like any cheese when it's good, mm-hmm. and I've, I've had great raw milk cheeses. I've had great pasteurized milk cheeses. I've had great heat-treated cheeses. Mm-hmm. I think. Cheese and good cheese is much more dependent on quality of the milk, quality of the cheesemaker, skill of the cheesemaker, and how well it was taken care of. And mm. and if it happens to be raw or has to be pasteurized, then 
all the better. Okay. Either way for me. I, I just like good cheese. Okay. <laughs> so you're you're giving me a careful answer. <laughs> That's right. I'm training to be a politician. Okay. Now I have a question. Do you tend to gravitate? Do you mostly eat Wisconsin cheeses? Do you mostly eat American? Do you love European cheeses as well? I like all cheese, but mm-hmm. just from just I'm so lucky and spoiled to be living where I am that yeah. I, I indulge in a lot of Wisconsin cheeses all across the board. Right, right. And and you must have a lot at the store uh, or in the lab. Right, both. Yeah, we're yeah. always. I'm surrounded yeah. by cheese. Okay, like living in heaven. <laughs> That's what we cheesemongers feel. We're living in heaven. Um, Now, I have a question. Are all cheese scientists or most cheese scientists as fanatical about food as the cheesemonger is? That's my question. I guess it depends. I mean, I I consider myself a a junior in training cheese scientists, to be honest. There are the rock stars out there. I hope to be one day. Right. For me, I, I'm I'm really obsessed with cheese, put it bluntly, and I love cheese. And I know people in in the line of work where they work in the technical side of food and cheese, and they eat cheese, but they're not going to rant and rave about it, and you know, drive yeah. an hour and a half to pick up a cheese they really like. Those right. kinds of things. Right. Of course, that right. sounds that sounds a little fanatical when I put it that way. But. Right. Right. But many of us have done it. <laughs> right, exactly, right. Right. That's right. right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I encourage all the listeners to check out cheesescience.org to read some of your topics and respond and ask you more questions. Thank you so oh, much for being on the show. Thanks, Diane. Thanks for having me so much. Okay. Next month, uh, July 18th, I'll be discussing the book Cured, Handcrafted Charcuterie and More, which is by Charles Wexelbaum. Uh, So I look forward to having him on the show in a month. And thank you, Pat Pulowski. Thanks. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.